You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Living in a foreign land, believer strangers should humble themselves, trust in God, and be alert for the works of the devil. Believer strangers should humble themselves, trust in God, and be alert for the works of the devil. Today, on Words of Encouragement. I don't think there's any other topic that should move us more as Christians than the topic of heaven. Oh, man. Especially when we look around us and we see where we are, there's a better place, a better place a-coming. Amen. A better place. We are now at the end, believe it or not, of First Peter. Now you can say, after this morning, don't leave, after this morning, you can say, I have, I have heard a sermon on every verse in First Peter. Because we have walked all the way through First Peter, and today we end our walk through First Peter. Now, do you, now can you walk away this morning and say, I know everything there is to know about... No, no, the depths of God's Word are so deep that we are only sometimes scratching the surface of it. Uh, but we hope, I hope, that you have gotten a little better grasp of what's happening as Peter writes to these Christians in a foreign land who are, uh, who are being encouraged to live the Christian life no matter what. And who are encouraged to live the Christian life in a foreign land where everything else says don't do this. And your internal faith says, wait a minute, I'm supposed to do this. These Christians who are living in a foreign land who are being told, oh, it's okay to do this. And, your, and their internal faith says, oh no, we are not supposed to do this. And we are looking at this because we, as Christians, are living in this foreign land, uh, in this world today. We are living on a different plane than everybody else in this world. We, ha we follow a God who is higher than any president, king, emperor, or dictator. And we should give thanks to him for watching over us. But this morning, as we look at this last portion this last portion of the last chapter of First Peter. Living in a foreign land, believer strangers should humble themselves, trust in God, and be alert for the works of the devil. Do you remember, do you remember one of your first days of school? You remember that? Do you remember the first, one of your first days? And, 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 and I, I used to love when my mama, we would go with my mama, and she'd buy us up fresh, a freshly, it, it felt like a freshly killed tree had been given, had been sacrificed to give me a brand new notebook. And man, I had a brand new notebook. I had a red one, I had a blue one. I thought, man, I am, ooh, I just love new school material, you know. And I, as far as the going to school, now that was a different story. That's a different topic for another day. But, it, but the new school supplies, boy, that was great. Man, you had the pencils ready to go. They were sharpened. You had your notebooks. You were ready to go. Uh, and maybe your mother even labeled your notebooks with your name. Now, as far as my mama was concerned, a, 
Sharpie, a black permanent marker was the best she could do, and that's what she did. She'd write my name very nicely at the top, Craig Beeman. And I thought, boy, I'm, I'm somebody. Nobody's stealing my notebook. I got my name on it. I was happy. I was excited. She may have even told you to take, go ahead and take one or two extra pencils uh, because we, by that time, the big, the big popular uh, item to have was the little pouch that fit in your three-ring binder, and you could put pencils in there and erasers. And so she, would, she might even tell you, take a few extra to school just in case if you, if you need an extra. You had your lunch money. You were ready for lunch. Um, goodness, not enough thanks can be given to mothers who prepare their kids to go to school. Not enough thanks in the world can be shared with you as a mother, for getting your children ready. That's a lot to do. I mean, it's a lot to do just to get the stuff together, much less get the child ready. I, I, I remember seeing that, watching that, and helping when I was told to help. <laughs> but Mama always made sure you were ready. Mama made sure you were ready. In the same way, God seeks to prepare us to face this world of suffering for Him. In the same way, he wants to enable us to be able to face any suffering that comes our way. He cares for us, and he desires to give us the tools we need before we just run out there and face the world. I think of that song this morning, You and Me Against the World. Well, not you and me against the world. Boy, God, it's you and me, and we're, we're just we're looking at this world, we're looking at it, and oh my goodness, it's a, bunch, it's a bunch of stuff coming our way. But with God, we can handle it. And I know that song's not about that, but I always think of God when I hear that song. But if you're able and willing to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God... 1 Peter chapter 5, looking at verses 6 and 7, and we're going to travel all the way through to the end this morning. But we'll just read 6 and 7 at this point. The Bible says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him. May God bless the reading of his word. I invite you to be seated. Well, first, in this passage where, that we see, that one of the things we see, Peter says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What's he getting at here? What's he saying when he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God? We can come up with some explanations. We can come up with a, some kind of interpretation of this. Certainly, we could do that. But what is he saying? He is saying, first... Allow God to direct your life. Humble yourself. That means who's in charge? Not you, not me. God's in charge. It means you are allowing Him to direct your life. You're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. You're allowing Him to direct your path. You're allowing Him to direct your life. You're allowing Him to be in charge of your life. Not just be your sidekick. Not just to be your co-pilot in life. God is not your co-pilot. He ought to be your pilot. Who flies the plane? The co-pilot or the pilot? The pilot does. God should be the pilot of your life, of my life. And we, but, but this is something we must do. Allow Him to be in charge. Allow Him to guide our lives. He has a reminder first right here. It's a reminder for all believers 
of who is in charge. Second, this instruction for us is so that we may be in the right frame of mind when we face the works of the devil. Now, what do I mean by that? It means we know who's in charge when we face the devil. When the devil comes at us, we're not like, oh my goodness, i got to figure this out all by myself. I don't know what I'm going to do. No. God's in charge. I'm allowing him to handle it. I'm looking to him. Something comes my way, I look at God and say, uh, do you see this? You see this, God? Um, I'm, I'm still very unable. I can't do anything. I'm helpless here. Now, that's part of the humbling of oneself. That's hard to do. Frankly, that is hard for many people to do. To humble themselves and say, I can't handle this. God, you're going to have to handle this. But you know what? That is what God wants to do. He wants to handle it for us. He longs to handle the, the issues that we have and the, the, the stuff of life that we face. He wants to do that. He wants to be in relationship with us. And part of being in relationship with us is for us to communicate with him. And when we have to communicate with him, there he is. He's waiting. And, when we, and if we will just do that instead of saying, well, I'm going to handle it. Oh, I'm just going to handle this. Oh, <laughs> step back, people. I got this. Oh, no, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> Look, you let God handle it. You let God be in charge of it. You let him come in and you let him take care of the situation. But we need to be in the right frame of mind when we face the works of the devil and when suffering comes our way just because we're living a Christian life. We're doing what God wants us to do and we are going to suffer for that. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, when the suffering comes, what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to panic. No, we're not. No, we're not, because we're going to be reminded of who's in charge. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He is in charge. Peter is seeking to help these believers to not trust in themselves, but in God. I seem to remember a proverb that says something to this effect. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean... Wow. And, and look, look, Peter didn't write that. <laughs> That came from Proverbs. The Bible is the word, the very words of God to us. And he's speaking to us through it. And way back in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Oh, I got, I, I got this. I got, no, 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 no. We let God handle it. Peter is seeking to prepare these believers for what is coming. Peter continues, he said, so that he might or he, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, what is, about, what is that about? What is that? That he may exalt you at the proper time. It, it's in the time that God seems or deems best. He may exalt you in this time the, or the life to come. He may lift you up from your humble conditions and exalt you in a way that seems best to him perhaps only in the terms of increased spiritual blessings and deeper fellowship with himself, perhaps in the terms of responsibility, reward, or honor, which may be seen by others. God's going to do what he's going to do, amen? He is God. We must remember that, and we must remember that he's not going to work just exactly the way we want him to work, but he's going to work the way that is best, whether we like it or not. Look at verse 7. 
It says casting, and this is one of my favorite portions of scripture and it's found in other places as well, but casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. We're not to carry our anxiety with us. Oh, but brother preacher, man, it's difficult. Yes, it is difficult. Preacher, it, there are times when I just get anxious about things and I cannot seem to do anything about it. I hear you. Many of us had anxiety during those, those years of COVID. And yes, I'm aware of the new strains and I'm aware of all this and my parents have it and dad's feeling weak today because of it. But those moments, those times of COVID, I felt anxiety. Oh, I felt I tried not to let, I, I was listening to too many voices at one time and I couldn't process it all. I, had to, I couldn't handle all of it. And that time was a time without precedent for many of us. I said the P word, didn't I? Unprecedented, that's what the word was. It was truly a difficult time. But we're not to carry that anxiety with us or try to figure it all out by ourselves. We're to get help. We're to cast our anxiety on God. Now, what does that mean? That means when we, look, when you cast something, if I cast a rock into the river, let me tell you, that rock's gone, okay? It's gone. Now, you may say, you may say, well, preacher, <laughs> you can't throw it very far. I may not be able to throw it very far, but I can tell you right now, when I throw that rock and it hits that and goes into the river, it's gone. I am not going to be able to find it. There is no way I'm going to go find that rock again. And when I throw it, I have released it. It is out of my hand. It is no longer with me. It's gone. Now, what is he telling us here? Casting all your anxiety on. We're taking our anxiety. We're taking our nervousness. We're taking out this, this, oh, this just horrible feeling of, oh my goodness, something's going to happen. And oh my, what am I going to do? We're taking that and we're casting it on the Lord. We are letting go of it. It is no longer part of us. We do not take it back. We release it into the hands of God. Now, how do we do that? Oh, I wish I could just, I wish I could figure out how that I could get that point across to us. It's, we, we, the, we've got the devil here. He is trying to bring us back to that anxiety. He's saying, oh, you didn't let go of it all. You still got it. You still got to deal with it. You can't deal with it. And it's, 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 it's heavy and you're not going to be able to handle it. And oh my goodness, it's getting worse. Just get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, I am sick of that kind of talk and I'm sick of hearing it. And, but the devil's so good at pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And he will continue to do that. And you will, you will get to a point where you decide, well, my goodness, I haven't I still got the anxiety. Fully release it to the Lord. It is a matter of trusting in God. It is a matter of trusting in God. If we trust in the Lord, we can cast our anxiety on Him. And you look, you just say to yourself, I'm casting this on God. God's going to handle it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to revisit it. I'm just not going to go there again. And the devil's going to say, ha, 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 here I am. And you're going to say, no, 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 no. I gave it to God. I gave it to God. I'm sorry. You're not getting me. Not today. <laughs> not. And we release it to the Lord and we allow him to take care of it. How, how do we know that he will? How do we trust in him enough that he will handle our anxiety? Well, I think it's answered right there. 
because he cares for you. He cares for you. You come home from school and you come home and you've lost a pencil that you took. You've lost your notebook. What happened? Mama, I lost my notebook. Now, in some homes, I don't know what's going down in the house if you lose your notebook. I know that in my house, I came home, I lost my notebook. Mama would say, oh, son, well, it's okay. We'll get another one. She'd express the disappointment. She'd wrinkle the brow. She would, you know, she'd share it. She was disappointed, but it's okay. Look for it tomorrow. See if you can find it. If you can't find it, we'll get you another one. Look, my mama cares for me. And my God cares for me. And so I don't need to be all worried and concerned and overly concerned. And and I just need to give it to him, trust him that he's going to handle it, and know because he cares for me that it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I know that this says he cares for me. And I can cast my anxiety. You're not walking in this world alone. God is with you. He cares for you. Look at the first part of verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Oh, whoa. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Hmm. Be of sober spirit. Be in a mode of thinking clearly at all times. Do not allow your mind to be pulled off track from your mission in this world. Think clearly so you can process what you experience clearly. He says be on the alert. You can't just slide through life. I'll just kind of make it through life, wing it through, it'll be all right somehow. No, we need to be on the alert. We need to be watchful. We need to be aware of what's happening. Now look, these people in Leesville, those people down south near the wildfires, they're on alert. That's what I'm talking about. They're on alert. They are watching. They are on alert. They are ready. They are prepared. They've got all, all, all the pictures, the family pictures in the car. They're ready to go. They are on alert. You and I must be on alert, and there's a reason that we're going to get to in just a moment to be on alert. But we're to place ourselves under God's direction, cast our cares on Him, and think clearly and be on alert. And boy, that's a lot. Well, it's written down in your bulletin, praise the Lord. But it's summed up right there. Cast our cares on Him. Allow ourselves to be under His direction. Think clearly. Be on alert. The second thing, believers are instructed to resist, stand firm, and remember Why is Peter helping these believers to prepare? What's he doing here? You find the answer in the second uh, part of verse 8. He says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Notice he's seeking someone to devour. He's looking for somebody to bother. Oh my goodness. Now I cannot stand people that just seek out people to devour, to to mess with. That's just, that, that is against... Listen, I've told you I live in my own little bubble, my own little world, and in my little world, people do not look for people to bother. That's, that just doesn't happen in my little world. Now, in the big world, it does, doesn't it? There are people who are looking for people to bother. Well, the devil's out there all the time looking for someone to devour. It's what he does. He can hinder. If he can hinder God's work by attacking God's faithful children, then he is successful. If he can deceive just one of us for a few moments... The work of God can be delayed a little bit in this world, at least through us. If he can delay us, mess us up, deceive us, what are we to do if we're faced with an attack from the devil? Look at verse 9. But resist him, firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. You are not alone in your suffering. Resist him. Be steadfast. Be firm in the faith. Resist means to withstand or to stand up against. It is a term of defense and victory. Theologically, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection won the decisive victory in the war against the powers of darkness. But this doesn't mean the battle is over. Because of the cross, believers have assurance that these evil powers have been disarmed. Believers share in Christ's authority over them. This doesn't mean we have an automatic immunity to the influence of Satan. Otherwise, Peter's counsel here... Uh, would just make no sense. We've got to resist him. We still must resist him. We're also to stand firm in the faith. How does one do that? One does this by remembering the truths of God. One does this by remembering the very presence of God. With his presence comes his power. With his presence comes his salvation. With his presence comes his protection. Oh my goodness, when we remember, we can be strengthened in that knowledge. We're not only afraid when we, we, we're, well, we're only, we are only afraid. We are only afraid when we forget that God is with us. Isn't that true? I mean, when we're focusing on something that's scary, we're focusing on something that's scary. We're not focusing on God. And so we're focusing on what's scary and it's scary. And oh my goodness, and we get scared. Oh, wait a minute. God is with us. God is with us. It sounds such. It sounds so much like a little preacher trick or a little preacher saying to tell you, focus on God. But when you focus on God, where does it get you? It gets you comfort. It gets you strength. It gets you assurance of His presence in your life. Focus on Him. If we can remember He is with us, our fear can be given the opportunity just to fade away. Focus on him. Will you resist the devil? Stand firm in the truth of the faith, uh, of the faith and, and, and remember the presence of God? These are things we must do. The last thing, believers live with the hope of eternal glory. We've gone all through the suffering, all through these chapters, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and now we get to chapter 5, and we've talked about suffering the whole way, and we've talked about how to deal with it, how to focus on the Lord in the midst of it, in spite of it, and we've gotten finally down here to the end of this chapter 5, and look at verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while. <laughs> Got to give it to Peter. Hand it to Peter after you've suffered a little while. I'm thinking, dude, <laughs> let's minimize. You have talked about all this stuff that's going to happen, this suffering that's coming, and these people, you're trying to prepare these Christians for suffering that's coming their way, and, and then you say, after you suffer for a little while. Now, I guess Peter's thinking eternally, you know, in the, in the span of eternity, it's going to seem like a little while. The good news is... Peter knows they will face suffering, but the good news is on the other side of the suffering. First, it will end. The suffering will end. Second, when it does, God will perfect them. The same is true of us. The same is true of us. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
Who's doing it? Who's doing the perfecting? Who's doing the confirming, the strengthening, and establishing? It's not me. It's not you. It's God. We have a God who cares about us. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who's going to make us right the way, the, the way he wants us to be when we get there and all, wow, no matter what our trials, no matter what our trials, we should remember that he is the God of all grace. We will endure suffering, but on the other side of that suffering comes the perfecting of God in our lives. This lovely title, this God of all grace, uh, this, this title here reminds us that his dealings with us are not based on what we deserve. Well, I ought to get what I deserve. No, you don't want what you deserve. What you deserve is to go, <laughs> is to, go to the bad place. What you deserve is to go to hell. What God says is, look, I don't want you going there. I want you with me. And I've made a way for you to be with me. And I want you to be with me. And I will make a way. You can't make a way. I can't make a way. But God himself has made a way. Wow. His dealings with us are not based on what we deserve, but on his thoughts of love toward us. Wow. Praise God for that. The word grace that is used here means that God is both the possessor and giver of all grace. So God, who has made the way for you to be with him and his eternal glory will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish or settle you. He will take care of you. The sufferings of this world are tremendous. They will be tremendous. They will be intense at times. But God's grace is still stronger. His grace is still stronger. This suffered for a little while will not seem like a little while as long as we are here. Later in eternity, it will seem so short of a time compared to being in heaven forever. <laughs> we're going to look back in heaven and go, boy, that, was just, that, just, that wasn't very long. While we're here, oh my goodness. I mean, a few minutes of uncomfortable. Oh, a few minutes of, oh, it's really hot. And we're just, oh, we're, we're gone, you know. Oh! <laughs> but we're going to look back on the suffering because we lived for Christ and, and, and we're living for Jesus and people don't like it and they may say something against us and we're going to suffer for that, but that's not going to be anything compared. Peter concludes in verse 11 by saying, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In other words, to God be the controlling power of all forever and ever. Ever and ever. I heard, uh, I heard a sermon just uh, yes, uh, this morning, actually. A uh, pastor was talking and he said, Grace. He was talking about grace, and he said, "Look, uh, he gave an example. He he called on somebody in his congregation and named them and said, "Look, if 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 if, if Billy over here was going to buy me a brand new Mercedes, uh, and, and he just that was his thing. He was going to do that for me. And he came and brought that Mercedes to me, and he said, "Here, preacher, I want you to have this. And I I would say, "My goodness, thank you so much, but I want to pay a little bit of that. Can I, I just can I just pay a little bit on that?" And he said, well, sure, sure. And, and the pastor said, you know, I, what if I just took out, you know, 25 cents and I said, here, Billy, I paid on the car too. And then if I were to go out into the community, somebody said, boy, preacher, I like that car. That's a nice car. Yeah, you know, you know, Billy, Billy and, Billy and I, we, we paid, Billy and I paid for this car. Huh? Wait a minute. 
No, no, no. <laughs> what? No, 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 no. There is nothing we can do to gain our salvation. It is the grace of God himself. It is the grace of God. It's not the grace of God plus whatever I can do to make it good. No, no, no. It is the grace of God. God offers to us a gift of salvation, a gift of forgiveness, and he says, here it is. I offer it to you. Will you receive? And there's nothing we can do to, to, to make that salvation more solid, more permanent than it already is, but to just receive it. And we receive the salvation from God. We receive His forgiveness. We receive His forgiveness and His love into our hearts. And we allow Him to be in charge of our lives. And we stand there in, in, in a world that is in chaos. And we are a child of God. And we are forgiven by God. And there is nothing else we can do to make ourselves more forgiven. Or more or less loved by God. He loves us. He's forgiven us. We, all we do is accept that which he offers to us. We sum up this letter. I told you we were going to make it all the way to the end here. He sums up his letter here by saying, Yes, as children of God, we're going to face suffering for being who we are. Yes, that's going to happen. But God's going to take care of us. There's no need to worry. We will be okay. Hear me now. You will be okay. God has got you. If you've accepted Christ, he's got you. You're his. Verses 12 through 14 are his closing of the letter. He encourages them uh, in the grace of God. He tells them to stand firm in God's grace. And then right at, uh, at, right at that end, he says, Peace be to you all who are in Christ. The peace of God. The peace which passes, surpasses all understanding. That peace be with you who are in Christ. We're to place ourselves under God's direction. We're to cast our cares on Him. We're to think clearly. We're to be on alert. We're to resist the devil. We're to stand firm in the truth of the faith and remember the presence of God. In the midst of suffering, we're to live with the comfort that God has things under control. Will you be that way? Will you be that believer? Will you be that child of God who, who, who is ready to live in this world and who's ready to go out there knowing that God has your care, your protection in His hands? Oh, I pray so. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Boy, if you've not done that, this would be perfect, a perfect day to do that. You've never given your heart to Christ. You've never said, look, God, I need you. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I understand. I have done wrong in your sight. And you do not like sin. You're against it. And you will not allow sinful people to come into your presence. So therefore, you made a way. You sent Jesus to die on a cross in our place for our sin. You did that, God. You made it possible for our sins to be forgiven and for, for us to be controlled, if you will, by you, Father. You've made that possible. I pray if there's somebody here this morning that needs to give their heart and their life to you, God, that they would do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a God who cares for us, for being a God who wants to use us in this world. Lord, we look around us and we see so much and we think, oh, my stars. <sighs> This world needs help. 
God, help us. Help us as your children to stand up, to love people, to show people who you are, to live out our lives before a sinful world so that they will know that you love them. Oh, God, help us to do that. Maybe there's someone here, like I said, who needs to accept Christ, who needs to come down this aisle this morning and say, Hey, look, I've never said, I've, I've never asked God to forgive me of my sins. I've never asked him to come into my heart, to be in charge of my life. Maybe today you need to make that decision. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. If the Lord is speaking to you, if he's, if he's speaking to your heart, would you respond? Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the way you care for us. May we in all things, may we in all things show others who you are through how we live, through how we speak, through how we act, through how we react. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. Our prayer is that you truly are encouraged That's the goal of this podcast, is to encourage you in the Lord. Encourage you to walk with Him. Encourage you to listen to Him. Encourage you to give yourself to Him. It's all about encouraging you. Uh, And so, if you have questions uh, about this uh, podcast, you can always go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com. Winsboro is spelt W-I-N-N-S-B-O-R-O. And that, of course, is fbcwinsboro.com. Contact us through our website. Let us know if you're listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and, of course, we'd really like to meet you face-to-face if you're ever near, uh, near us, nearby uh, in Louisiana. We are south of Ravel, which is east of Monroe. Uh, so uh, if you are aware of Duck Dynasty, and that, that's where they are, West Monroe, Monroe. And if you'll just continue going east on I-20, you'll come to Rayville, or Ravel, <laughs> and you'll go south. And you will go through some small towns. Watch yourself as you go through the small towns. As long as you're obeying the law, you'll be fine. Uh, and then you'll make your way to Winsboro, and you'll find us. Uh, we are across from the post office. Actually, it's a, it's Highland Street, and you'll turn left as you come south through Winsboro. But we'd love to meet you sometime. Look us up. Uh, we are located at 502 Highland Street. 502 Highland Street. Until next time, this has been Words of Encouragement.